0: Hello, beautiful beings. This is Connection Head. Welcome, beautiful beings. Rena here, your host. Today's guest has chosen for her own safety for me to remove all names for herself, for anybody she works with, the program she does, and anything the state that she lives in for her own privacy. I also wanted to apologize for the quality of this particular episode. It was recorded over a year ago in my closet and fumbling around and i I'm very sorry if that those types of things do bother you. I have tried my hardest to edit it out and make it as smooth as I could. And so here it is. Do you want to tell us a little bit about becoming a mother and where your children are at?
1: Sure. Um, I became a mother 40 years ago. Uh, I had had some infertility and so I was delighted to finally have a baby come to term I've lost five children mm. and so the the two babies that I had it was just fabulous um I was I just loved being pregnant and I also loved you know the fact that I had home births and that um things went well I had a 10 pound baby at home
0: Ooh, so, that's a big... yeah.
1: <laughs> so other than that I mean we just I just loved having them. I taught home birth classes for several years, and so to go to birth and to see that you know having that life created right in front of you, you know, and the, when the baby takes their first breath is always just so you know brings tears to your eyes. It's so so wonderful to see. So.
0: It it does. It's very very moving. Yes. You know.
1: Yes, when they're born fully awake and fully aware.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Mm -hmm. it is.
0: Did you do, you were kind of a midwife.
1: I was a midwife uh, all those years that I taught home birth classes. I was a midwife and went, there was quite a few of us um, that were not interested in doing traditional birth in the hospital. And so we decided we were just going to, um, you know, either we took classes, we we helped and coached each other, and then we all helped each other with our with our humbers.
0: Really. Um, so, mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. At that time, th- and this has been a long time ago, f- about thirty-eight years ago, we we did. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't actually legal in our state, so um, to do humbers. Right.
0: Births.
1: Right. Um, they. They grouped miscarriages in the same, whether they were live births or, you know, not in the same. So they said, you know, if you miscarried at home, that was not a live birth. And so they put home births at, in a negative light.
0: Oh, really? So that would be, mm-hmm. really? Yeah.
1: yeah. And if the baby had any, you know, any type of birth defect, that was all contributed to a home birth. It was not contributed to, you know, something genetic or anything like that. It was just, you had a home birth, so there was a problem. Hmm. It was kind of an underground movement. It's not so much anymore, but this has been a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But it, it was the, you know, the the times, I guess.
0: So you had both of your children, natural, and both at home?
1: my oldest, I had natural, but not at home. My <laughs> youngest i had at home natural oldest um because i was going to ob-gyn he said we can do exactly how you would at home but since you've never had a baby before we'll just you know if you don't mind let's do it this way so i did he my my doctor was probably the best ob-gyn in the world when i was having contractions he was doing effleurized massage on me um
0: wow the,
1: yeah, I know. <laughs> Here's your doctor doing that. He was just really by far the nicest, best. You could not have got a better OBGYN.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah, so when I say I had natural, I mean, I absolutely had natural, and he he was the best to make sure that, you know, he was like a labor coach, but he wasn't. He was just coaching me, and he stayed with me the whole time I was in labor.
0: Did you have anybody else with you? Just curious. Yeah, my, my,
1: my husband and and a nurse would come in back and forth. But this was 1976, and the Olympics were on, so my doctor watched the Olympics from my, my room. Oh. That's... <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, when I had would have any discomfort, then he'd turn around and, and help me through it. And since I was a home birth coach, then I knew different techniques to help alleviate discomfort, so. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. How was the beginning of motherhood?
1: I'm my oldest oldest daughter, and I have four brothers, so it's somewhat an extension of that. You know, I hesitate to say that I don't think I put my daughter down for a year. Mm. I mean, she was with me everywhere. I had a little front pack. And so I could be cleaning house and she could be nursing at the same time. Yep. There wasn't much I did without her. And then when she was older, I had one child in the backpack and one child in the front pack. Wow. So I, I was everywhere with my kids. They were just right with me. And I, both children, both children gained six pounds by their six-week checkups.
0: Wow, those are big babies.
1: It, those were big babies. Yeah, yeah. My daughter was not quite eight pounds, so I left the hospital within twelve hours in my, you know, in my regular street clothes. Right. And I thought, okay, that's that's good. I can do that. And I didn't have a lot of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what once you got into that transition, you know, mm-hmm. um. My son, same thing. I didn't have a lot of labor. Just, once we're going to transition, let's get this baby out. Um, when I turned 40, then I just, I had a tubal ligation. and Just so that I wouldn't have a, you know, a mistake. Not a mistake, but a an unplanned pregnancy later on in life. I had five that didn't go to term. Right. So, I had tried, and mm-hmm. neither time it stayed so i just it, 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 there was so much infertility in my family um that it just turned out that way
0: yeah yeah miscarriages are are hard are really really hard
1: they are hard and you know you have the, the promise of, of a child and then You know, and it doesn't matter at what time frame that it happens, it's still hard. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's three months, four months, five months. um, It's still very hard.
0: Yeah. They're so common. Not a lot of people talk about miscarriages. I don't think people know (laughs) what to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always helpful to say, you'll have another baby. (laughs) Because they don't know that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I, I've, heard, I've heard I've heard people say that they said it to me yeah yeah multiple times I'm going you don't know that but you, you think well they're just trying to try to comfort and just don't really know how
0: yeah so. did you always want to be a mother?
1: I did always want to be a mother I, it never occurred to me not to be a mother. Okay. I always wanted to be a mom. I had some really good wise family. Women in my family that um, uh, just real it gave the epitome of what a mom should be. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. My grandmother, especially, she had three daughters, and I—I I would say I'm probably her fourth daughter because we spent so much time together. But mm-hmm. yeah, she was a great mom. I mean, really great mom. Hmm.
0: There's
1: okay. Lots of wisdom there.
0: Yeah. That's that's really nice to have a solid woman family.
1: Yeah, Denmark. I have a good tribe. A good family tribe. There's just really profoundly wise women. So I'm I'm very grateful for them.
0: Good. Kind of a random question. Do you did you experience any postpartum depression, do you think, looking back?
1: Uh, looking back, I don't think so. I, I'm i normally an optimist. Um, if I did, I probably was with my first, with my daughter, which was my first child, um, but it was very short-lived, you know, it was very short-lived, okay. and, and a caveat to that is one of the reasons I didn't have a home birth with her is I lived in a funeral home. You.
0: You lived in a funeral. Oh, you mean you were living in a funeral home at the time yes. you were supposed at to have the a time. baby.
1: Yes, and that, and since my my doctor knew that too, um, he said you you would never get over the emotional trauma if you had a home birth there in the funeral home and walked across the hallway to the prep room.
0: That seems a little much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I agree. I agreed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it wasn't really your choice, but out of the circumstances.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It was the circumstance choice.
0: Okay. So for your, where you're working with right now, how did you start leading there or what, what were the beginnings?
1: I had, I had married, um, I'd been married, and my first husband was uh, very abusive, verbally and um, physically.
0: To you or to, to you and, and the children? Not to
1: my children, Just no, you. not to the children. Um, and so there did come a time um, that, and and having been in, in, I'm trying to think of a way to say this, the reason that we ended up getting a divorce is because he was allowing some, um, uh, molestation of our daughter by family members of his.
0: Mm.
1: And as in just being in denial of it, you know, and then, um, he started being very physically abusive to our son. And then that was it. I, I, you know, there's a difference between having somebody hurt you as the wife, as compared to hurting your children, then that's like, that mama bear thing kicks in and it's like, no, I don't think so. And it wasn't a disciplinary thing, it was uh, abusive thing.
0: How do you even, I mean, how do you deal with finding out your daughter has uh, been uh, uh, abused?
1: There's absolutely no way to describe that feeling. Um, physically you just want to throw up yeah um, but uh, emotionally you know you think that you have put your your most precious possessions your children in the care of somebody that would equally consider them you know precious possessions and then when you find out that they didn't or that they abused them then there's there are no words to describe that Um. That gut-wrenching feeling.
0: Do you think that he was ab- ab- abused as well? I mean... Y-
1: yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I have no proof of it, but yes. But I, he would probably be... And I found this out years later, so it wasn't at the time, but, I, you know, that he probably was... Um, he would probably be the only family member in his family that wasn't if he wasn't, and I don't think that that was the case.
0: Right. finding out that everybody in all of your family for generations and generations or almost all of your family is so dysfunctional for Uh so long. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. So that's when I started, um, you know, going to school for being counselor and then getting into, um, uh, helping those that have had domestic violence or molestation and, um, abuse of any kind whether it's the physical even spiritual abuse because there's people there are people out there that do spiritual abuse too so uh
0: what's spiritual abuse
1: God's telling me I need to do this whatever it is mm. you know what I mean so whether it's God's telling me that I need to abuse you God's telling me that I need to hit you God's telling me that you're not going to heaven so
0: mm. yeah so you've been working and with abuse um, for a long time.
1: For a long time, probably, let's see, getting close to 30 years. Yeah, you know, I've I've been a delegate to the UN on issues of abuse of women and children. I've been, um, I am a charter member of an organization um, that also, and I'm a certified first responder in domestic violence. So I've been doing this for a long time because I don't want anybody to go through what I had to go through and not have the tools to get out. So I've acquainted myself with the law. I've acquainted myself with how do you get out? Um, uh, how do you keep your go bag ready? Um, what not to give out, what, how to escape, how to have funds, all those things. I mean, one of the, there's a, Underground organization here, and that I'm a part of that uh, sees domestic violence. And she'll ask if they want to get out, and if they say, "Yeah, I would if I could." I don't know how. Well, then we'll get together. We it takes about two hours to get them set up an apartment.
0: Really, two hours.
1: Two hours. Of that it's a lot of a lot of women that are organized and ready to go. Um, we've had. A house furnished, kids bringing toys. I mean, in the whole thing, we want to know who you are, what you need, and, and how can we help. And then the tur it's not really church. Ter- I belong to that organization. And it is the same type of thing. Um, it's a nonprofit organization that helps women, it helps men, it helps children, all of us. It, to get in touch with other nonprofits, we're kinda like the clearinghouse. So if we see somebody in a non- in a domestic violence situation or even just a verbal and, and and I don't discount verbal as being just as bad or worse because the the impact of words. Versus can heal, but the impact of words is a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so we're involved in that. Um, We just got started. We just got into our facility in January. And so it's really gone well. And I still do, I do counseling calls for women that are in um, either domestic or verbal or, you know, spiritual abuse situations. And I see them. I probably have, 10 patients on, on, on an ongoing basis in different places you know in their journey
0: that you talk to on a regular basis
1: on a weekly if not more mm-hmm.
0: as a counselor yes and are they a, recovering or they're in the in they're all over they're in the middle of it or
1: yeah uh, different places they'll there will be um the beginning of how do i get out what what tools do I need? So I have a little worksheet that I go through. Um, it's really basically in my head, but it's one of those things that having had to do this myself. What do you do? You know, where do you go? What you know, and if you have to have a go bag, that's like your insurance cards or the, the um, birth certificates for your kids or uh, different things. I have a place that I store backpacks. Mm, okay. Yeah, that way no one has to worry that it is on site at their home, You know, especially if it's a domestic violence situation. You want to have cash, a uh, separate bank account. You want to have your kids' birth certificates, immunization records, anything like that, anything that you need to go. If you had to leave in 60 seconds, what would you take with you?
0: And so did these women start preparing these items and then...
1: Yes, yeah, so they prepare them and then they send me their bags. Okay, and then they'll let me know later on where to deliver their bag.
0: So you're like an incognito abuse warrior.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because like I said, I don't want this to happen to any other woman. And I, you know, I go around. Um, I've gone around the country and I've and I've talked about this to Christian organizations. I I work with police departments, you know, because um, they they need to know. I, I had a police police officer call me and said, why would a woman stay if, you know, has violence, and so I had a nice chat with him and said, this is why, because the abuser will say, I'm going to kill you, kill your kids, kill your family, kill everybody you know, and kill your dog, and you're going, unless you come back. And you, as a police officer, is not going to be able to protect her 24 hours, 7 days a week for how long it takes for this man not to feel like that anymore.
0: Do you ever run into any of the opposite gender?
1: Yes. Yes, in fact, um, the witnessing of your mother being beat up by your dad is child abuse. And so many times when I've talked to um, you know uh, at, at different seminars I've had young men come up to me and I was the child that that this happened to but I've also had two people two men that their wives were beating them up and one of them I heard it on the phone when he was calling me
0: mm-hmm. it breaks my heart that little yeah. you know men are, or boys are coming up to you and saying that they saw that Yes, yes. And?
1: Yeah, it's, it is heartbreaking. The whole situation is heartbreaking.
0: Do you think that abuse is more common than we think?
1: Absolutely. Uh, just the, And there is no differentiating at all between secular society and faith-based society. What do you mean by that? The same amount of women and men and children are being abused in a faith based society or a secular society, there's no change in the in the stats.
0: So Do you and, think that faith based societies have less help because people assume that they're not thank being you. abused? Yes.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that is exact not only do they have less help, they are in such denial that it even takes place. Mm. You know, that can't possibly be, and this is one of the things, just because it didn't happen to you, or you didn't see a wife or a husband being beat up, does not mean it's not happening behind closed doors. Well, I've never seen any bruises. Well, have you ever noticed that this person wears long sleeves all the time, even in the summer? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Very stealth abusers won't hit you in the head, or they'll hit you where your hair is, but they won't hit you in the face. Those that are not stealth, are the ones you see where they've got a broken nose or, you know, a soft eye or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: but the others, absolutely. You know, the more stealth guys and gals, because I know it happens because with the girls, I've seen that where they are beating up guys too. And, and you know, some men are taught don't hit back or she'll say, if you hit me back, then I'll say that you abused me. Mm-hmm. So they're in they're in a really bad situation because if they try to well actually I just thought of another one that it was a man that was being beat up by his wife. If you try to push her away, she's beating up the husband, you know, or the guy, and you push her away as a man, she will then say you shoved me, you broke my arm. I just thought of another one. There's four that right off the top of my head Mm -hmm. of men that have been accused. And it was the woman that was actually beating them up.
0: How do these men find you?
1: Um, because I've gone all over the country. A lot of them have heard me or they've heard, you know, I do DVDs and then they, they've heard of my DVD.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I had a grandma come up to me one time and she said, you know, your information helped me get my granddaughter out of the abuse situation. Oh, really? So it's not just who's hearing me, it's other people sharing what they've heard. Yeah. But that's why I keep it really low key, you know, for my own safety, because I know what it's like to see somebody try to kill you. I mean, I had somebody try to kill me twice. So
0: for your own protection, meaning you're completely anonymous. And yes,
1: that's exactly right. And I don't charge. This is all, you know, it's kind of a mission for me. So I don't there's no money exchange. There's no paper trail. There is no anything.
0: I don't know what to say. I think that's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: I, I just feel like that's my that's my give back to those that help me.
0: Mm hmm. Did you have um, help?
1: Actually, I had no parental help. I had a a tribe of women that I worked with that helped me. Hmm. But no help, absolutely no help from family members, not even my own family. I've asked asked this, you know, years later because one time that I left, I was encouraged to go back, um, you know, so that my my former husband is, He called my parents and said that he had slapped me and I had left. Well, my mom walked into the um, bedroom when I was changing. I asked if she could just take care of my baby for a little bit so I could just rest. I'd driven all night. Mm -hmm. And she just walked in when I was changing. So I just had my bra and underwear on. And from my clavicle down to my feet, there was not an inch on me that wasn't bruised. Mm -hmm. And she said, Oh my gosh, what happened to you? I said, this is a slap, but there was no, no, you don't need to go back. Let's go get the kid, you know? And I mean, none of that. Um, One of the times I had gone to my doctor, to my family doctor, and he also knew that I was being beat up and he would just give me drugs to kind of deal with it. Um, He was like, my drug pusher, you know, and so he would give me Xanax to kind of, you know, it, obviously it's you making him mad. So, how about if I numb you so that you won't make him mad? And so, one time when I was giving, delivering this um, session on domestic violence, he was right there, first row in my audience.
0: The doctor or your doctor, doctor, the doctor,
1: the doctor that had been pushing drugs on me for almost 20 years. And I and so I said, you know, I had gone to physicians that knew very well that I had been being was systematically being beat up and they did absolutely nothing but give me drugs. So he pulled me aside later on. He goes, you are absolutely right. That is all I did. I didn't do another thing to help you out. And he said, and I didn't know what to do, so I did nothing.
0: Do you think that that's what the issue is? Because this is worldwide, that people, families... Institutions, doctors, police officers look the other way and say, you know, yeah, your husband beats you. What are you going to do about it? There's nothing we're going to do about it.
1: That's exactly right. You know why? You know how many times it takes for this is statistics um, from Loma Linda. You know how many times it takes a woman in a domestic violence situation to leave and actually stay gone? Seven to 12 times. Seven to 12 times of trying to leave and you actually have the courage now to leave. So that's why people just go, I'm not going to do anything because she's not going to do anything. But they, instead of helping with the situation, they just totally ignore it. She's not going to do anything, so I'm not going to do anything. Instead of saying, these are the tools that you can use. And that's why I've changed the, the verbiage now. These are the tools that you can do to get out and stay out. Because they're not helping if you try to get out. They just say, that, I mean... The thing that my parents should have done is is what happened to another friend of mine who actually hasn't beat her up. She called her parents. They brought a Utah down, packed her stuff off, and she never had to see him again.
0: Why didn't your parents do that?
1: I don't think I've ever got a good answer on that.
0: They just literally didn't know what to do, or
1: literally did not know what to do, or. You know, my first husband was a minister, so oh, you guys can work it out. You know, it was just an anger issue. You know, and all this thing. But I heard a good a good way of saying it, which I use now in in when I talk to women. You know, when they say, "Well, he was drunk, and you know, he hit me, and all that kind of stuff," so I say that. Uh, how drunk do you have to be? How drunk does he have to be to sleep with your grandma or your grandpa? And every person goes, ew, I would never do that. Then you're never drunk enough to hit your spouse. That is just a cop-out.
0: Do you think that it's getting any better? No. No.
1: I know that there's more awareness, you know, with the Me Too, you know, thing that just happened. I mean, who, none of those women were protected um, with. I have, I can tell you this in the faith-based community. I've gone around and, and done empowerment seminars for women, you know, and one of the topics is I want every woman to know how to help other women get out. Do you know what the percentage of leadership in faith-based community women's, like women's ministry is, 100% of all the women that I've ever come in contact with in leadership positions are the ones that have been abused. So if you're asking me if I think it's getting better, the answer would be no.
0: Why do you think it's so hard for faith-based to accept that abuse is happening?
1: He, that generational uh, shut up and cover up. Generationally, abuse doesn't all of a sudden happen just wow, right? Just here, it has happened genera- generationally, and then and it doesn't happen to everyone in the family. It may be just targeted people, and then uh, individuals, you know. And then as you're going down the generations, you know, maybe. It, It skipped Uncle Harry and and happened to Aunt Sue or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then, but no one says anything and no one helps. And then that goes down to the next generation and they've learned. It's like being, it's the same scenario as being a dry drunk.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, that there are certain characteristics of families that have dry drunks in their family and then have abusers in their family. And no one talks about it. No one says anything and no one does anything. Our sins and no one, very few, do something about it.
0: Well, I would like to hope that it's, you know, starting with you and your kids and, you know, I fall in that category. That it's stopping now. We're not going to go for that anymore. We we need to heal. Unfortunately, we have to heal from generations yes. and generations from our family.
1: Yes. And that that is one of the reasons my daughter said... Whatever it is, it stops now. It never goes any farther than me. Exactly. Yeah, and that's and man, she's she's been has gone to therapy before.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, just because your kids are, you can have kids, and I just everybody has so much shit that they're going through. <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah. literally transferred over to your children.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, either the way you handle it or the way you don't handle. it.
0: You know, but
1: yeah. that's, that's what the other people, the same thing, you have to say, it is stopping with me, it's not going to be perpetuated onto the next generation.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: and the and, and, and secular society is the same thing, it has to stop with the person that determines it will never happen again, not on my watch, so that, that's me saying that, you know, it will never happen again, not on my watch, not, if I am... If I am aware of it, if somebody makes it aware to me, I immediately call the authorities. You don't get to have it, you know, just, oh, we'll just handle it in-house. No. No. If you suspect that there has been abuse of any sort and you do not report it as a therapist, as a counselor, or a doctor, or whatever, if the police do their investigation and you are found culpable in that, you will have the same prison term as the perpetrator. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They're very serious about it. That's good. Yeah. Not all states are like that. And so when I talk to women out of state and and men out of state, I say, go to an attorney, check what the law is. That's your first thing that you need to do.
0: It sounds like a lot of our laws need to be adjusted.
1: I agree. I agree. But yeah. remember I said one of the judges that I've worked with before years ago, uh, she was being abused.
0: While she was being a judge. Correct. Mm. Correct.
1: And like I said, there is absolutely no educational level or demographic this doesn't hit. And it doesn't matter what race, color, creed, whatever. It doesn't matter. And there are more, there are some instances where women are more denigrated, you'll have that as pretty much everybody's getting abused. But those you would think that have, when women have more rights, that they would be leased. But that's not necessarily so. It's one in four women and one in six men over their lifetime will have been abused.
0: One in four? Yes. Hmm, I feel like it's more, but that's still a lot.
1: I I, I agree. <laughs> That's just reported. And then it says that 75% unreported.
0: Okay. That makes more sense. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So when I was at the UN, in foreign countries, in other countries, not our own, but in foreign countries, it's either one in one and one in two. Yeah. Okay. So so if you're thinking that you're going to be able to stop, you know, you have to really dig your heels in and say, this is stopping my generation and not going any farther."
0: worldwide everybody yeah
1: yeah worldwide yeah worldwide with sex trafficking and you know kidnappings and adding to that you know all that is it just perpetuates it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of it has to do with the, with a the porn industry that you know the denigration of women and if you there there's statistics out there that um, not all people that have a porn addiction are molesters but every woman that is a molester has a porn addiction.
0: Hmm. Porn is getting, is kind of out of control.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing when, you know, somebody comes to me and says, this is what's going on, and I would say, well, you know, one of the things that, you, do you have a lot of porn in your home? And they go, yeah, okay, well, that's part of what the, one of the issues is, is this porn, porn issue where, you know, I, Um, somebody doesn't have to be loving kind or respectful to a woman or even a man Mm -hmm. and so now i'm i'm going to denigrate you and i don't care you don't have that same empathy that you would for another human being
0: yeah i don't know what to say to that because porn i mean i'm it's just blown up since i've grown up yeah yeah i mean and
1: it's everywhere there is 100% 100% accessibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that's why, I, you know, I'm, like, militant on this stuff. I, you know, just, because it's not just, you know, male to female, it's to little kids and,
0: and all that. It's so bad. I know. It is. Do you have any, like, healing advice for people trying to come the through only,
1: the only thing that i've found that really makes a difference from from what i have been in this was that this is through the faith, faith-based community way of doing it you can change your cognitive memory you know if you put yourself whatever your tragedy was and you know whether you were enlisted whether you're beaten up, whatever it is, that you can put yourself in in a story and you know that you can change your cognitive memory, the way that you view a memory, okay? And so I've, I've done it myself for the healing that I needed in my life, and I tell you, it absolutely works. Whether other people have tried it and it didn't work, I don't know, but I know that I have tried it and it works every single time. And so, when you remember the bad thing that happened to you, you have filtered it through Jesus standing there.
0: So for people who um, aren't gonna use Jesus, Faith-based. yeah, right. but um, that's that's what um I've been told is to go back to incident or incidents, bring it up, experience it, and hand let it go.
1: Yeah. And if you don't, if you, if you as a child had bad experiences or a young woman or whatever, if you've had that and you did not feel the experience, if you did not mourn, you did not grieve, you did not those things, this all, all this stuff comes back to you Mm -hmm. when you're older, the 30s and 40s. You know, when a woman calls me and, and she's crying about something that happened when she was a child, I said, are you 30 or 40? And almost 100%, it's one of those in between, you know, between your 30s and your 40s. If you didn't experience then, or you weren't allowed to, shut up or I'm going to give you more of it, you know, those kind of things. Then they continue to experience it subconsciously Mm -hmm. until they let it go. Until you can get to the point where you can actually let that go. And it's the same thing. You know, you have to go through the emotion to let the emotion go. And if you are still crying about the incident, you haven't let it go. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when you can
1: tell the story with, when you can tell your stories without emotion anymore or without crying or without, you know, then you've actually let it go. It's just another story to you. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you can't, then there's still some healing that needs to be done. It doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen instantaneously, mm-hmm. you know, it may take a little while to go through that. But I can, if, if people actually do that and say, no, I just don't want to think about it anymore, you'll still think about it, whether you're consciously thinking about it or not.
0: Yeah. Do you have any advice for anybody who doesn't even know where to begin, but wants to deal with their own trauma? Yeah,
1: this is what I would do. I would do it incrementally. Um, What I do with my clients is I have them, um, and I have them draw me a picture with their non-dominant hand. I would ask them to put on it um, a person, a house, and a tree. Just those three things. Embellish it however they want to, but the the picture is actually what I want to see and so from that picture when they bring it to me the next time and I do personality tests you know assessments and all that Mm -hmm. but I wanted to see where they put these things these three things because it makes a big difference on how they how they can heal and who where the trauma came from Mm -hmm. you know And so, when I have them do that, that's the first thing. When you can draw me a picture, or you can write a story in your non-dominant hand, you're going to start bringing up stuff.
0: Really? Mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I said do it incrementally.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Like,
1: you do one, maybe, and then do another one a couple weeks later, a month later, whatever, so that you can... Because when you start drawing... Or even writing with your non-dominant hand, it goes to that memory part of your brain that you have stuck stuff that you don't want to remember remember anymore.
0: Fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's very it's very disheartening when they start remembering that things they didn't want to remember anymore. And I don't prompt them to it was abuse or whatever. They the the story starts to flow out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's. That's the scary part, you know, so I warn them, you're going to experience this, you know, and it's going to be lots of emotion, uh, lots of emotion, lots of crying, but you can take that paper then, and you can go burn it in your backyard,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. that one's gone now.
0: Burning next? is cathartic. Yeah. Yeah, I am I like to burn um, yeah, stuff me like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I've recently just been angry, and I don't know why I'm angry, but I'm angry. So I'm probably gonna try that with my other hand and see if you can send me
1: the if you can send me the picture, then I'll I'll tell you what it means. Okay. Yeah, you've got my address, don't you?
0: Mhm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then I'll I'll call you back and interpret it for you. But there are some meanings in there.
0: Yeah. But,
1: And it, and it does, um, whether you'll be surprised or not, you know, um, but it does do some really good revelations when, when I would do therapy for kids, they would come in, I, I do cookie therapy, Mm -hmm. um, where the kids come in, you know, either they've been traumatized for some reason or another, you know, and so, um. One little boy, um, he came in and visited with me, and he said, we we bake cookies together. So I let them stir, it. I have a bar in my house, and stir and make cookies and all this. And and so he's talking nonstop the whole time he's there. And he said, I thought I was supposed to come in and talk to you. Mm-hmm. I said, have you been talking to me? He goes. I have not shut up once, have I, I haven't even <laughs> taken a breath. <laughs> he goes. You are really tricky. <laughs> so, I said, "Yeah, that's the point. You mm-hmm. know, you don't. Have, it's not pressure. It's just we're just going to bake some cookies here. You know, so it's not a clinical. You know. Mm-hmm. And then he got. He was better, and and I released him, and you know, I saw his brother for a while, and we released. I said, Do you know you just call me when you need me and then they make their own appointments
0: that's nice you make really good cookies <laughs>
1: oh good <laughs> well they they leave with a bag of cookies too so good. you know and then if whatever they want to share with their parents is up to them But they know that i will not disclose anything unless i have permission
0: where can people find other you or can they find you if possibly they might need your help or maybe other women? Do you know any other communities in other? I don't. I don't.
1: Um, I mean, if people need me, they can just give me a call. Like I said, I only, I only go from referrals, you know, (laughs) they have to know who somebody is. I mean, I, and I have clients in other countries. I have them in other States, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and so, as one is being released, then I take on another one, and sometimes I take on two or three, but, but it has worked out really well, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone knows that I never say a word, they, if any, no one knows who I talk to, and no one knows if somebody else has talked to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I don't, I don't want somebody to go, oh yeah, you know, they were having problems, with no,
0: mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm.
1: that, that has nothing to, it. and then I do the marriage counseling, Sometimes on the side. So I do couples therapy at the same, you know, Mm -hmm. during the week too. But that's a little bit more selective.
0: Do you have any closing words for any, for your story or for what you're doing, the work that you do and how you're, you know, helping? I
1: I would say that don't let too much time pass if you need to get out of a, a, a negative situation don't let it go too long you know do it sooner than later and that there are people out there to help I don't know too many others but I know that I'm always willing
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: whatever somebody needs for that and and because I have a spouse that is so supportive of me doing that you know and and helps out with it I mean then we're kind of a team with it mm-hmm. so that's what i would say i would say do not be in a situation that you are being negatively uh, dumped on there's a term about uh chronically post-traumatic stress syndrome Mm. very good article on the internet about that of the chronic post-traumatic stress syndrome Mm. for for domestic violence
0: i read that actually yeah it was really good
1: it was good yeah, so I mean anything like that, but be be a participant in your healing.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, that because that that's I've got women that I've talked to for five years and they don't want to be a participant. Yeah. They only want somebody to do it from, and they she still has not healed.
0: And know that everybody I, else is is healing from something as well oh
1: yeah absolutely you you will never meet somebody that hasn't gone through something mm-hmm. everyone has on on our journey everyone has something going on yeah so be kind be loving be compassionate give them a lot of space or break or whatever you know or just a hug some people you know need a hug
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know and so, just you know if if there's somebody that you see, you know, take that take that thirty seconds to say, "You know, is there anything that I can do?" And even if they say no, well, then let me just give you a hug.
0: Yeah, we're all connected. We're all going through similar things. We all have a collective consciousness, and yeah. what you're feeling, I, we're all feeling it's we're all connected, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thank you so much. This has been a really nice conversation. For me, too. Yeah. For
1: me, too. And then if you need me or you need to send somebody to me, you just give me a
0: call. Okay. This completes the conversation on domestic abuse uh, for episode four on Connectionhood. So a few tips that I pulled from our guest today was wanting to have every woman know or have the knowledge of how to help other women get out in abusive situations, which are up on the um show notes. If you are interested in contacting her, please private message me and we can go from there. A couple of things that are very important for some of the healing advice and the counseling advice that she offered. So she is a professional and she counsels and You know, she has been doing this for a long time and this is her advice. And our advice as in the podcast, as myself, please seek out a professional. If you are interested in doing this picture and finding out the meaning or writing things like this and starting to bring things up from your inner child, seek out a professional. Someone who is trained and can properly explain to you the meanings of what you are bringing up and what you're able to put down on paper. Please seek out a professional. Another thing I wanted to bring up was changing the cognitive memory. Now, she highlighted incrementally a few times. So I'm going to say that again. This is incrementally. So this is done in pieces because a lot of stuff comes up. A lot of emotions do come up. So incrementally take your time, have self-compassion, have unconditional love for yourself, unconditional forgiveness for yourself. And you know, a lot of stuff might come up if you go down this, you know, when you go down this road of suppressed emotions and be kind, be kind to yourself and take your time. It has been pretty helpful in my journey. That's it. Be a participant in your healing, you know, that's a big one. So I'll leave you at that and have a beautiful day. Ciao for now.